Good morning, everybody. Okay, good to see you all. This is a packed seminar. Wow, this is the busiest one that we've had all week. So, so good to have so many of you here. Um, So, yeah, this is going to be an amazing morning. We're going to be interviewing a few of our friends that I'm going to be welcoming to the stage or to the section um, in a minute. But before we begin, should we just pray? Yeah, so let's all just close our eyes, bow our heads. Yeah, Lord God, I thank you for, bless you. Um, God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for bringing us all into this hot tent. Um, God, I thank you that you've ordained a place for every single one of us here, that you know the hairs on each of our heads, that you know us all individually and personally. God, we ask that you speak to us this morning um, and that, yeah, that we all just take something from this and don't leave the same. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, cool. Well, It's been a really good week, right? Who enjoys New Day? Yeah? Okay, and put your hand up. If you've been to New Day before, yeah, and you've you've had the New Day blues when you go home, yeah? Do you know what that is? So the New Day blues is like... When you go home from New Day and it's been like this, this time of heaven, like heaven on earth, this little Christian bubble. But then you go back to your real life and you're like, oh my gosh, this is long. People don't smile at you anymore. Like It's just not as fun. It's not as easy. And actually, that's just reality, isn't it? Life isn't always easy. So today's seminar, we want to be able to just send you guys back home confident, equipped, excited. We don't want to have any New Day blues. We want to see you guys going back home and taking on your neighborhoods, being leaders in your generation, being leaders of your friendship groups. So that's what we want to see and that's what we're going to do this morning. Um, so we've got a couple that we're going to be speaking to and their journey isn't really one of just, you know those testimonies where you hear they're like, oh, I had this really bad life and I did this and whatever, but then bam, I had this massive moment with God and then my life was good forever after. We've all heard those testimonies, right? Yeah, and that's great. That does happen for some people. But for many of us, our walk with God is just a daily journey. It's just every day choosing God. And that's not always easy. Um, So Danielle and Kenzie, who are going to be inviting up, they've got one of those stories. They never had a big moment with God at a big conference like this, but actually it was just a daily decision. And every time their kind of past would come creeping back in on them, actually they had to choose to follow God. Okay, so we're going to welcome them up to the stage now. So if we just give them a warm welcome, this is their first time at New Day. Okay, so say hello, guys. Hi, guys. Yo, what's going on? Okay, so can you guys see us at the back? No. Okay, I'll just stand for a little bit whilst I introduce them and then we'll get chatting. So we're going to just hear a bit of their testimony. So just as a little introduction so that we don't take ages. Um, Danielle and Kenzie, they're both in their 20s. Um, They go to church with Isaac and I. um, And they're an incredible family. They've got three children. Um, They... Kenzie has two others as well. So between them, they've got five. They're incredible parents, incredible Christians, people of such great faith. Um, And so, yeah, we're just really excited to hear their story this morning. So let's get started. Right, we're going to speak nice and loud so you guys at the back can hear us, okay? Um, So let's begin. So guys, this is your first ever time at New Day. Yeah, everyone give them a round of applause. Welcome. So did you ever go to anything like this 
as teenagers? Yeah, no, we didn't. We didn't really have the opportunity to go to anything like this. But um, I mean, I've been here for a couple of hours and it just looks amazing. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. cool. So have you, Danielle, been to anything like this before? Um, no, I didn't have any opportunity. Like, I didn't go to church when I was a teenager, so I had no idea about anything like this at all. Wow. So, a lot of us are really privileged to have, like, being able to grow up in places like this. Um, so, yeah, so, I've got some questions for you. Um, so, you guys, you grew up um, not in the easiest of circumstances. Both of you kind of fell into gang life at a young age, right? How old were you, Danielle, when you first got involved? Um, I would say the biggest turning point for me in terms of like gang culture and stuff was when I was 13. 13, yeah. And what about you, Kenzie? Um, I think I was about 14, 15. Cool, so you were pretty young. Um, so yeah, so you met in this kind of culture, you grew up in this kind of culture um, and it wasn't really ever like a conscious choice. You weren't ever like, okay, right, I've, I've seen this gang and I think it looks good so I'm going to go join it. That was never the case for you guys. It was more about kind of like just association. It was your friends and your communities that were involved. So you just kind of got carried along. But Kenzie, what was it for you that got you in quite deep in the first place? Um, what it was, growing up, um, I was quite like sort of popular in my area. And um, the school that I went to, there was a lot of sort of friends which were on the edge of gangs and whatever not. And... Um, so it wasn't that I chose to kind of be in a gang, but whilst I was friends with them, you know, you sort of become friends with people and you see them do certain things and whatever not. And yeah, it was quite kind of casually just going to school, going to like hang out at the corner shop after school, going to youth clubs and whatever not. And, you know, I remember this um, situation whereby I think I was about 14, turning 15. And um, the school that I went to had a massive gang and where I lived, the people in that area didn't really like the gang. And I wasn't sort of aware of it too tough. So I was just chilling with my friends, whatever not. And then my sister went on holiday. And then I was just chilling at home, chilling at home. Then a brick went through my window. And I was thinking, what's going on? Like, I'm not involved in anything. But obviously the friends I was chilling with, because they were sort of part of a gang or new people in the gang, they obviously automatically just thought, okay, yeah, he's involved. And I think that's where I kind of just for well I mean you've pushed me in that direction kind of thing so I'm going to get involved um, so I got involved about 15 and yeah just got really deep um, you know going to areas fighting people all things like that cool did you have something to say? yeah <laughs> so um, you also forgot to say that so at the time <laughs> when his house got bricked he lived with his sister and his niece was only like one at the time and the house was bricked but they also put a petrol bomb through the house so the whole house nearly got blown up the police had to come a crime report was um, filed and his sister literally had to move out to the countryside for a little while because there was nowhere else that she could go so it was like they disrupted his whole family life um, because of association. He hadn't done anything at this point. He wasn't involved with any kind of beef or anything. It was literally just that he went to a school that was heavily involved. Some of his friends' cousins were the oldest in the gang, and it was just like, oh, well, you must be a part of that. And that's um, what got him involved. With me, <laughs> I would say kind of similar. Like I was always popular in school, and I feel like when you're the popular one, the out there one, the loud spoken one or whatever, it's really easy to fall into the, the wrong crowd. Um, 
But as I said, the turning point for me was when I was 13. So my, like a lot of us, um, my story started from a broken family. So my mum and dad split up when I was seven. And when my mum got a new partner, her new partner's son um, sexually abused me for quite a few years. And it didn't really affect me. I didn't really understand what was going on. But then my dad passed away when I was 13. And then when that happened, it was like, I actually don't care about anyone anymore. I really got to the point where I just genuinely didn't care about life. Um, so for me, it was kind of like being pushed into it, dragged into it also. But then I had this element of, I actually do not care. So there was times when my mum would be calling my phone 20 times and I'm purposely missing her phone calls and she's panicking. Where are you? Why are you out? And in my head, I'm just like, I'm invincible. And I remember genuinely thinking that I was invincible. Like I could go anywhere. No one could do me anything. I could be anywhere with anyone and nothing would happen to me. It's such a stupid mindset. But I feel like that's what the enemy does. He really makes you believe these things. And when you have no fear of life and death, at the time, I didn't even realise that was my mentality. But now looking back, I know that I genuinely didn't care if I died. And that was why I was so... I was always out. I was always doing something with the wrong people. Um, and I think that's the story for a lot of people. People often look at people in gangs and just think, why would you choose that lifestyle? Why would you be associated with this? And a lot of the time, it isn't actually the person's fault. It is more association and circumstances. Cool. Um, so for you guys, so you got together when you were around, they had like, they didn't like each other when they first met, they actually were like enemies, um, <laughs> and then fate brought them together, um, but you started your family quite young, um, so Danielle, you were 17 when you had Jada. I had uh, 18, but I was pregnant at 17. Yeah, and how old were you, Ken? So, nine, yeah, 19. Cool, yeah. So you had a child fairly young. You were heavily kind of involved um, at that point. Um, and what was it, Danielle, that you were saying to me about how, um, how everybody said that Jada, your oldest, how she would grow up? So basically, <laughs> when I was pregnant with Jada, obviously, I, like Evan said, I was 17. Mackenzie was 19. We were heavily, heavily involved at that point. Um, gang culture, drug culture, everything that you could probably think of. Um, and so our our playlist in our car consisted of Vibes Cartel, Movado and Gigs. Like, so that was our lifestyle. I don't know if you guys you must know Gigs by now. But um, yeah, it was a bit different in those days. So that was, yeah, what we were doing. And people literally would just be like, oh, Jada, like, well, obviously she's not called Jada yet, but your baby's going to grow up in a trap house. Like, that was the kind of life we were living. And people just assumed that she would be, you know what I mean, do it like living like that. <laughs> and this was the kind of music she was listening to and stuff, so... But how different her life is now, right? Honestly. So, um, yeah, when I was pregnant with Jada, that was when I decided... So a few things happened when I was pregnant and then I decided that actually I didn't want this life anymore. I didn't want to be involved anymore. And for a girl, it's actually quite easy sometimes to walk away um, and not be involved. Um, but for Mackenzie, obviously, it was a lot harder. So I kind of just drew a line in the sand and said look, I'm not going to be looking over my shoulder and my child showed off the rest of my life. I don't want to think about her dad being in prison or whatever, so we have to either change our lives now or walk away from this. Like, I will have the baby, obviously, but... Anyway. Um, yeah, and then I really felt like I wanted to go to church. Like, I don't know why. I don't really... No one invited me, really. Um, as a teenager, I always kind of identified myself as a Christian, even though I didn't know what that meant. I would say I believed in God, but that was it. Um, and then when I was pregnant with her, I really, really, like, I feel like God was really speaking to me and saying, go and find a church. Um, and my best friend actually had a baby at 16, and I was her son's godmother, so we went to this church together. But she didn't stay in church, she just got her baby dedicated and left. Um, 
So I, <laughs> so when I had when I was pregnant with Jada, I was like, you know, what, I'm gonna go back to this church and see what they can offer me. Like, is there anything they can do to help me? And I was like the only young person in the church. It was a really old Jamaican church. There was like no one there except for me. <laughs> like the only youth, and there was about five kids. Um, but yeah, so when she was born, like I, as soon as I saw her and I gave birth to this baby, I was like, I have to change. Like actually, in fact, another, when I was pregnant with her, I was five months pregnant. Um, and there was like drugs in the car, different stuff. And I got pulled by police. Um, and I could have literally gone to prison and had my baby in jail. And that didn't happen by God's grace. And I feel like all of these events kind of led up to me saying, okay, God, you know, I actually want your help. I want you to guide me and help me. Um, so I went to church. Um, there's a big long story about that. But then anyway, Jada is eight now and she um, gave her life to Christ when she was seven. And she, yeah. <laughs> and she decided to be water baptized um, when she was seven. So last year in November, she chose to be water baptized at our church. Um, and she is so on fire for God. I feel like she's more spiritual than me. I feel like God really put this baby in my womb and told, like, told her that she was spiritual from birth. Um, so yeah, it's a completely different story from what it looked like was being written for us. Cool. Such an incredible testimony. Um, so then for you, you started going to church, you were going along and it was fairly straightforward for you to kind of walk away from gang culture, but it wasn't quite as easy for you, Kenzie, was it? And um, so just to kind of get us a bit of an idea of how involved you guys were, um, do you want to tell us a bit about that, about what you had to do to kind of try and get away? Yeah, it was mad because... Um in terms of getting away, you know, it's like even when you leave or you've kind of not hanging around anymore, it's like, you know, you get calls names, you know, I was getting called out, oh, he's a waste man, he's just on this church thing now, you know, so for me to take that was, it was so difficult because I came from somewhere where it's like, you know, you're mad popular, getting all the girls and whatever not, getting all the attention and, you know, you kind of lose friends as well because people obviously people are saying yeah this guy's a waste man he doesn't like, he's not on the roads anymore he's not doing what he's meant to be doing but you know I felt that I had a purpose and there was something bigger than just you know being out there trying to just you know do stupid things but um, for me it was definitely a big change to actually um, have Danielle by my side because she was always encouraging me look you know you need to stop what you're doing stop what you're doing and it got to a stage where I just said you know what I have to stop because I have a family now. So, yeah, I think my family was one of the biggest change for me. And you moved away for a little while, didn't you? Yeah, because um, where we was from, I mean, the area was very hot. So we couldn't sort of live there with kids. And not heat hot. No, 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 not that hot. <laughs> but um, so we had to move out to, um, I don't know if you guys know where Kent is. We had to move far out to Kent. And at the time, I started working part-time, so we didn't really have enough money to sort of pay the rent in London. And obviously I wasn't shot in and things like that, so the money wasn't coming in. So we had to move further out to Kent. And even then, people still found out where we lived. So we had to move. So it was just, yeah, it's been, you know, a tough journey, but one worth it. So, yeah, so it's a journey of you guys kind of just constantly trying to choose God, trying to get on the right track, but just it's not easy, is it? It's not like you decided to become Christians, then all of a sudden got loads of money and then didn't have to carry on selling drugs for your money and that kind of stuff. But actually, you just had to live with less. You had to make sacrifices, right? Um, so, yeah, so you were turning away from gang life and 
it wasn't really smooth sailing, was it? Mm. Do you want to tell us about what happened um, one day when you was in the car? Yeah, so um, I was dropping my son home. I was dropping my son home. Um, Danielle was driving. We pulled over at a petrol station. And she said to me, oh, like, so-and-so's over there. And I'm like, where? I've looked over and I've seen them. And these, these are the guys that, obviously, I had proper beef with. So I said, okay, no worries. You jump in the passenger seat, let me drive. Drove out the petrol station there. Obviously, they've driven behind us, following us for about 10 minutes. And I could see the panic in her face. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, like, what are we going to do? So I've kind of turned around and said to her, like, throw my friend. Like, like we've got to go and meet them. Because as much as at that time, we, I think I was in church for about six months. Or, yeah, if even that. So, you know, my walk was obviously... A, probably a bit more difficult than hers so I was like yeah just phone him like you know this is it's getting peak anyway, and this is a friend from the gang yeah so anyway she's phoned him and we're driving towards the area driving towards the area we got about within about five minutes from sort of my area that I grew up and they sort of turn off as they turn off I've just looked at her like oh my gosh that this is crazy we've gone and met our friends now and then he's like yeah where are they where are they you know I've got the thing. and then she just looked at me and she's just like we need to stop this because for one, we could have been killed in a car crash and they could have come and followed us and, you know, they could have got shot. Someone could have died and someone could have ended up in prison. So, you know, it, yeah, it's a really cre- like, crazy situation. Yeah, um, I just wanted to add a little bit that, like, I know before I said that nothing scared me. Like, I never knew fear. I was really, like, I don't care about life and death. But in that moment, I've never been so scared in my life. Like, so our daughter Jada was in the car. We just dropped Mackenzie's son home and I was pregnant at the time with our second child and I've never known fear like that it was crazy and I remember panicking and being like what do we do what do we do what do we do and although I had a relationship with God I genuinely didn't know what to do and when he said like call his friend I was like okay then let's quickly I called him I'm like damn they're chasing us you need to come like you need to meet us we're driving towards this area come and meet us here and he's like I'm coming I'm coming and then as soon as they drove off I just had this moment of like what if he actually came? Like, I panicked because I was like, I don't want to be the reason that someone died or the reason someone went to prison. And realistically, in that moment, I should have chose God. And I feel like I failed to because I was genuinely petrified. And I feel like that was um, a massive lesson for me. Obviously, nothing happened, and that was by God's grace. Um, But it scared the life out of me. (laughs) But um, can I just quickly say about another situation? There was another time, um, a few years later now, so Mackenzie had been in church for a long time. He fully wasn't involved in any gangs anymore. But he still had enemies, people that genuinely hated him, um, that had recently come out of prison. So they've come out of prison thinking, oh, I hate this guy, I'm going to find him. They found out that he, we go to this church. Um, and then one Sunday, all these guys turned up to our church. Um, and he, at the time, was pastoring kids' church. And I was like a leader um, in the main service. And these guys came into church and like instantly the whole room changed everybody it was like you could see fear because a lot of the people in our church were young it was quite a youthful church people had grown up in our area it was quite a local church everyone kind of knew um what was going on and people started panicking I saw people running up and down the stairs going because the kids church was upstairs going to tell Ken's like oh you know these guys are here and I'm just sitting there thinking god what the hell's going on like what am I gonna do this is our church (laughs) what do we do um so after service, service is finished now. And these guys came like 15 minutes before service finished. So it was kind of crazy because they obviously didn't come to service. Um, and then... <laughs> and like they was not trying to be saved. Um, and then service finished. Everyone went outside. 
to like chill outside and then these guys are outside and some of like the older women in the church tried to address the situation go over to the guys and say like what's going on is everything okay um some of like Mackenzie's other friends that used to be in the gang but were now saved and um, went outside oh by the way the guy that we called um to come out with a gun that day he actually gave his life to Christ the day after our wedding <laughs> so <laughs> he was in church that day too because um yeah, he, he's saved now. He's a pastor in Spain. He's got a child. He's got a wife. He's doing really well. Um, so glory be to God. But so he was in church that day too. Um, and he even went over to address the situation and say, like, what's going on? And the guys genuinely didn't care about all the other guys that were there. They were like, we don't care about you lot. You guys are cool. We want Kenzie. Like, that was literally what they were saying. And we, I was thinking, oh, my God, like, my kids are here, what they are. And then... Mackenzie was just like, well, let me go and see what they're saying. And I'm like, are you crazy? Like, they're going to kill you. So then he went outside and it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is because we read the Bible a lot and we read what it's saying, especially the Old Testament. And someone recently said to me, why is it that when we read the Bible, these people were so close to God, but we're not? Why is it that these people hear from God and we don't? And I was like, what? Like, that's not true. <laughs> we really do hear from God and God's with us all the time. And there's a um, passage of scripture in Second Kings chapter 6 um, where Elisha has got loads of enemies and he can't, they, the enemies come and the ser- Elisha's sleeping, the servant sees these enemies and he's like, oh my God, we're going to die today. Elisha, wake up, we're going to die. And then Elisha's like, oh, whatever, like, get over it, we're not going to die. And then um, <laughs> the servant's like, look, can't you see all these people? They're, they're coming to kill us. And, he, and then Elisha prayed, and he prayed, and when he prayed, he said, God, open the servant's eyes. Open his eyes to see who's with us. And when the servant opened his eyes, he saw an army of angels, of chariots, of angels protecting them. And I swear to you, in that moment, all, like, that is what happened. And I, I don't know how to even explain it and justify the story but Mackenzie went out and this guy that is like probably taller than Isaac and Hench like he's massive um he's not that <laughs> his legs ain't as skinny as Isaac's either. I'm joking <laughs> um but he's massive he's just come out of prison he's got a vengeance he wants to kill Mackenzie and he was like going mad like blood vessels were popping out of his head and like he was really angry and then Mackenzie went over and I swear it looked like there was an invisible wall and this guy could not it's like he couldn't he was angry he was shaking he was like getting so angry but he couldn't move towards him and I don't know how to just I can't explain that except for God to say it was just God and God was with us and God protected us and we were in his house and we worshiping him and we were choosing to live for him Mackenzie could have gone out and been angry and been like why is this guy coming to my church my kids are here but he didn't um and yeah it was just a massive moment for us where we really saw God's face in him that's amazing it's so good like it's it's such a testimony. Just ev- everything you're saying is just firing my spirit so much. But it's such a story of just choosing God. That's why this seminar is called Choose God. Because th- it wasn't like they were just in church and nothing was ever coming at them ever again. Like you had so many opportunities to retaliate, to be angry, to be upset with God. But you always chose to see God in the situation rather than the situation as it is. And you had your heavenly eyes. And I pray that for all of us today. Um, But what would you guys say the key is for you in just being able to be obedient, to walk with God, even though all this stuff is still coming at you? Um, For me, I would say faithfulness. So when I first started going to church, Mackenzie wouldn't come. um, And I would go to church with my baby every weekend on the bus because Mackenzie wouldn't come (laughs) from Kent because we lived in Kent and my church was in Greenwich. So it wasn't close. Um, And... 
I was faithful with that. I knew that I wanted a different life and I knew that I wanted to change. And that doesn't always come easily. It's not like one day you wake up and say, God, actually, I want you. But then tomorrow you're doing something different and you expect God to bless that. It's not going to happen. You need to be faithful with your time and with your little. Because when you're faithful with your little, he will give you much to be faithful with. Um, And so me, yeah, faithfulness and obedience um, is massive. So like just choosing to follow choosing every day to follow and even if you don't understand choosing to just walk when you don't know where you're going (laughs) um i mean for us with the obedience thing it's that we had so much situations whereby it all felt like what's the point but because we knew you know it's not kind of a sprint it's a marathon so we always had that thing in our mind to say look let's just carry on let's keep let's keep pushing on because you know there's always going to be light at the end of the tunnel so yeah i mean obedient has been it's been so massive in our lives and just everything that we do yeah um and i remember you telling me something that i think is really important mm-hmm. um that when you both when you kens decided actually yeah do you know what i'm taking this god thing seriously i want to be a christian and same with you that you decided to do something even though you was living together even though you had children mm. and what would you want to tell us about that yeah so um i actually got saved and that was after being in church about a year i got saved and i was speaking to my pastor and then i got home and then i said oh you know i think we shouldn't have sex anymore and it was just like what but i've been saying this to you for years and i'm like <laughs> 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 i was like oh yeah but you know that yeah, whatever not. But um, at that time, I think he was pregnant with Harley. Our second yeah, our second child. She was pregnant with Harley. And it was just so difficult. But as I said, it was such an obedient season that we had to go through to kind of find out who we are in Christ. So, yeah, that, that was just, I mean, can you imagine living in a house with someone, well, your partner? And, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> so... So, um, yeah, as Mackenzie said, like, I know, I know, they're they're, they're making me feel hot, like, I'm scared. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, obviously, I was in church a lot longer than Mackenzie was, and for ages, I was like, I want to live right, I want to be obedient to God, I want to live in his will, and I'm feeling like, uh, we already have a child together, we didn't do this, we didn't initiate any of this while our life was in Christ, and God, please understand that I don't know what else to do, Um, and... So he started coming to church when I was pregnant with our second child. And I remember the pastor sat down with him and was like, okay, so like, obviously you guys are serious. You've got a child. You're having another child. Like, are you going to get married? And he was just like, no. Like, <laughs> there was nothing in him that wanted to. He's like, no, like, I don't see the point. Marriage is a piece of paper. Like, it doesn't mean anything. We already live together. Um, there's no point. Like, that was his mindset. I'm trying to show you like, how he was thinking. And then, um, yeah, like fast forward a little while, he was in church and um, I was like, when I say faithfulness and obedience, yeah, I mean that I was praying every day for him, for him to be saved, for his life to change, for his heart to be softened. We would have the fattest argument, and I'll go into the bathroom, knock on the door and cry, and be like, God, you need to help me, because I can't do this. There's nothing, I, I can't fight my way out of this situation. I can't beg him to the point where he listens. I can't get on my knees and, or drag him to church. You need to do that. And um, the day he gave his life to Christ was like the day our whole world changed. And I think it's really important to know that the enemy will always attack the head of the household and in the church the husband is the head of the household so as young boys and there's a lot of girls in here too but young men you really need to stand up and be like you know what i want to lead i want to know god i want to seek this um 
like obviously we all have our own stories but there was something that changed in our house when Mackenzie gave his life to Christ and he came home and it was like all of my my prayers were answered in that one day like three years of praying <laughs> was like okay this one day thank you Jesus like it was crazy um but yeah so from that day we didn't have sex um for a good 10 months and um until we got married so um yeah. <laughs> Um, so it was crazy because when I was pregnant I had loads of complications with my pregnancy and the midwife kept saying oh if you have sex the labour will be easier you need to have sex because the baby will come out and it's like the enemy really wanted us to and we were just like no and no one understood because obviously midwives are not usually Christian so they were like why can't you have sex like, this is so weird you're pregnant but um, yeah it was a journey <laughs> oh guys it was so funny right um Cool. We're not going to carry on for too much longer because I know it is really hot in here, but I do just want to get you guys' wisdom for one minute because each of us face different circumstances and I don't know how many of us in here actually have the same situation as this. I guess this is fairly unique. Um, But we all have our own battles, don't we? We all have stuff that we go through and that we need to make choices on and that we need to be obedient with. And this whole seminar stream has been about us giving our battles to God and saying, God, I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to put you number one in my life and I'm not going to try and fight this in my own human strength. And like you guys have shared, actually, like none of this could you have done just battling on your own. You probably would have made the situations way worse if you actually tried to fight one another and fight these other people. And you just had to say, look, God, be strong because I can't. Um, And yeah, that's true for so many of us in whatever situations we're in. So what would your advice be, I guess? We want to get some practical wisdom for any of us that feel like we're going to be going back home from New Day and it's not really going to be smooth sailing. It's not going to be easy. I'm not going to be having church every day. I've got my real life. I've got friends. Um, So what would your advice be to kind of stay strong in God and not get sucked back into old habits? So I think from our story, you'll see that it was like a journey. Like Emma said, it wasn't just a one day, our whole life's changed and everything was easy. And the Bible says like, you will have troubles in this world, but God is with you. God has overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. So you need to hold on to that and know that, yeah, things will come up. And I don't know what areas you're all from or what gangs exist in your area or what you're involved with in your schools, colleges, whatever, but things will come up and you know your own weaknesses. um, And I can't get this out enough and I say this to everyone when they ask me for counsel or advice that everyone's journey is different and so I could tell you something from my journey that I had to do a certain way but it doesn't mean that that's what God's asking you to do and I think it's really important that you understand that and like I just want to read a little bit of um in Romans 14 right at the end of the chapter it says um uh you may believe there's nothing wrong with what you are doing but keep it between yourself and God blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is, if you believe anything you do, sorry, if you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. And that's what I'm saying about your convictions and your journey, because what's right for me might not be right for you or you or you. And that that is what we need to listen to God for. And like before the seminar started, Emma was talking to us about um, how some of you might feel like you haven't heard from God yet or you don't know what God's voice sounds like and you're like, 
oh, but why hasn't God spoke to me? My friend just told me that she heard something from God and I haven't heard any of that. And I really want to encourage you to just listen to your inner convictions. And when you're thinking things that are not your thoughts and you know, like, this isn't how I think and this wasn't what I would naturally feel. And in that situation, this isn't what I would normally do. You need to know that you have Christ inside of you and he is convicting you and he is telling you what to do in a lot of situations. And like this scripture says, if you then go and do it anyway, you're sinning. God doesn't ask a lot from you, but he asks you to be obedient. And he asks that if he asks you to do something, that you do it. So if there's anything on your heart right now that you're feeling like, okay, I was going to go home and do this, but I feel like God actually right now you're telling me not to, then I would say don't. Like that is, that is, it is hard. Don't get me wrong, it's difficult because our journeys are different. We might have brothers and sisters, cousins, anyone, aunties and uncles that are heavily involved in certain lifestyles, but you have to choose your life for yourself. And you can't pick up someone else's journey. You can't pick up someone else's life and change them. Like, I couldn't change Mackenzie as much as I tried. I had to give it to God. And one other advice would be intercede. Because we've all got the power of intercession. We can all pray for other people. Our family, our friends, our best friend is still involved in gang violence. Our best friend that just stabbed someone the other day and they're running from police. Like, you can still pray for them. Um, and your voice has so much power. So, um, yeah, speak life over your situations and pray all the time. Um, just to go on the back of what Daniel just said um, I'm going to talk about um, you know just each and every one of us here everyone here we have a purpose so, so as we go back into our different spheres of life it's like um, when you go back make practical steps don't just go back and think everything is going to be rosy because when you go back, there'll be challenges, there'll be different hurdles that you need to get over. But listen, when I say make practical steps, I mean, when you go back, you know, try and find, I don't know if you will go to church, but try and find a nice church that you can go to and actually, you know, somewhere where you're going to grow and learn. Somewhere where, you know, you're going to be taught and fed and people are going to love you. And you're also going to go out and love people. Because, I mean, when we look at purpose, in a sense... When you go out and love people and show them, you know, the genuine love that you have, they're then going to continue showing that love to other people, isn't it? So, I mean, as I said, when we go back, let's make practical steps and just know that God loves you. And whatever we're doing, you know, he, he will carry us through. Yeah? yeah. So, yeah, that's it. That's good. Amazing. So, yeah, I guess it's all about having faith, but actually as well and if any of you guys want to learn like a bit more about having faith and acting I encourage you to read the book of James and it talks about being doers of the word and not just readers of the word I don't know if that's the right way to say it but whatever um but yeah it's just about acting on our faith and that's what it's all about it's about these everyday decisions so what we're going to do now we're just going to all stand together and if we can let's just give Danielle and Mackenzie a massive round of applause for being so honest <laughs>